Thank you for joining us for this episode of the IPI Policy Basics Podcast. Today's topic is the impact of inflation on your taxes. We're coming to you today from the studios of Salem Media Group in Dallas, Texas. I'm Tom Giovanetti, president of the Institute for Policy Innovation. With our IPI Policy Basics podcast, we are building an audio reference library on basic policy concepts and topics for those who want to learn and understand how to think about policy from a free market, limited government standpoint, or for those who need to get up to speed on a particular issue. And today I'm joined as usual by our resident scholar, Dr. Merrill Matthews. So Dr. Matthews, today we want to talk about the impact of taxes, the impact of inflation on taxes. Uh, In a previous IPI Policy Basics podcast, we talked about the difference between tax rates and tax revenues. Mm -hmm. And as part of that discussion of tax rates, we explained the concept of tax brackets and marginal tax rates. Mm -hmm. And the fact that if you are in the, you know, if you're in the 15% tax bracket, you don't pay 15% on all of your earnings. Uh, you pay 15% on your earnings above a certain level. And mm-hmm. below that level, you pay 10%. And then above that level, there's a 21% tax bracket. And so that's the idea of tax brackets and of marginal tax rates. And we also talked about the fact that there was a time when the spread of those tax brackets was so great that sometimes people would look at their annual earnings and they would say, you know, I better slow down because if I earn much more, it's going to bump me up into a higher tax bracket. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to why work if I got to pay 42% of my earnings in the form of higher taxes? But because of the multiple tax reforms that have been done in the last several decades, that's really not so much, not so much an, an impact on people anymore. However, inflation does affect the movement of taxpayers from one bracket to another, and this is a phenomenon that's called bracket creep. Mm-hmm. And so the problem with bracket creep, and it's going to be, we're going to describe it as an old problem, but also as a current problem, is that there was a time when these tax brackets were not indexed for inflation. And what we need by index for inflation is adjusted to represent inflation. So, you know, if you have $1,000 today and you have 8% inflation, the next year that $1,000 is worth 8% less. And so when you index things for inflation, you adjust them to reflect what we call sort of constant dollars uh, so that it's the same purchasing power, the same buying power, even though inflation has eroded the actual value of the dollar. And so what used to happen to people is they would end up getting bumped up into higher tax brackets, even though they didn't earn anymore, just because of inflation, because of this bracket creep. During the Carter administration years from 1977 to 1981, inflation averaged 10% a year. And as economist David Henderson says, bracket creep became bracket gallop. Mm -hmm. And so what happened is the U.S. government took an increasing share of people's income without ever having to raise taxes, just purely because of the fact that the tax brackets were not indexed to inflation. And the point being is, if I'm making, I'll just pick a figure, $50,000 a year, and inflation comes, my employer gives me a raise for inflation and so forth, and we've had uh, a 20% inflation over a few years, and I'm now making uh, 60000 I could be moved up to a higher tax bracket and having to pay more, even though my standard of living based upon my income has say, stayed the same. That's exactly right. I mean, there, there are literally tables in, in the IRS tax documents where they say, you know, if you make up to $50,000, you pay this. If you make a dollar over that, then you pay a higher rate. And so 
if you don't index those tables, if you don't index that $50,000 limit, if you don't move it up next year to 52000 and the following year to 54000 if you don't index it like that, people just end up, they end up in a higher tax bracket, even though they're not making any more money. You know, I think we're going to be hearing a lot about this towards the end of this year and early next year, because a lot of people have been getting raises over the past two mm-hmm. or three months to try to keep up with inflation. And they may be pleased. They, two things are happening. Number one, they're saying, oh, my goodness, I'm getting a bigger check. But then they're going out and saying, but it really doesn't go any further yeah, I mean, than it, it used you're, to. Yeah, you're lucky if you stayed even, but yet you pay higher taxes. Yes. You, and, and then come the end of the year when they start looking at their taxes, they may say, well, wait a minute. I, I got this raise. And I barely was able to live at the standard I was the year before when I was making less money. But now I've got to pay a higher tax rate. That's exactly right. Now, here's the good news. The good news is in 1981, with the Reagan tax reforms, part of the Reagan tax reforms in 1981, it didn't just cut taxes. It also indexed the tax brackets for inflation Mm -hmm. from 1985 on. So at the federal level, because of this, again, our patron saint, <laughs> Ronald Reagan, indexed the federal tax brackets for inflation. So what we've been describing here as paying more taxes purely because of inflation, purely because of bracket creep, no longer happens at the federal level. But at the state level, it still does. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a number of states that have not bothered to index their tax brackets for inflation. And they're not just blue states and they're not just red states. Here's a list of the states that do not index their tax brackets for inflation. Alabama, Connecticut, Delaware, Georgia, Hawaii, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, New Mexico, New York, Oklahoma, Virginia, and West Virginia. So you see, that's a mix of, that's not just, there's no pattern there, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, California was not in that list. So, you know, we all know that California has one of the highest state income tax rates in the country, but apparently at least they have the decency to index it for inflation, <laughs> whereas New York does not. Uh, Alabama is, a red, is as red a state as there is. But if you live in Alabama and you have the return of inflation as we do today, uh, you could end up paying more taxes. You could end up being the subject of bracket creep with your state income taxes, if not your federal income taxes. Now, here's an example from the Tax Foundation of what would happen to somebody in a hypothetical state with no tax indexing between 1979 and 1999. So that's a 20-year period of time. Mm-hmm. Okay, So if you made $50,000 during a year, during that whole 20 years, and your income never went up, and if the tax brackets were typical of states, and if the tax brackets were not indexed for inflation, the person's average income tax rate, the effective rate, would have only been 3.3% in 1979, but it would be 4.2% in 1999. And the Tax Foundation says that's a 27% increase. In actual percentage terms, it's not that big from 3.3 to 4.2. That's only a 0.9 percentage point increase. Mm -hmm. But it's a 27% increase in your effective tax burden. And that's you didn't make any more money. That's purely bracket creep because of inflation. Now, one of the things that that we at IPI and that that many of our sort of free market tax groups have done over the years is always argue that anything that has anything to do with taxes ought to be indexed for inflation. 
for and, this you know, reason. We talked about that with the alternative minimum tax. That's exactly right. The AMT, because if I remember right, it was passed around 1969 or so. Mm-hmm. It was meant to cap- capture the highest income people in the country, a very small number, who were not, who might not be paying income taxes because of various reasons. Mm-hmm. And so it said, if you don't pay any other income tax, then you've got to pay the alternative minimum tax. But they had never indexed it, if I recall correctly, and at, at least in those early days. And mm-hmm. so as time went on and people were making more, inflation was there, uh, especially during the Carter years and so forth. Mm-hmm. The, uh, we saw those incomes going up, but it didn't, it didn't affect the brackets for the alternative minimum tax. And more and more people were getting caught in that. Even though they might not have been, there might not have been more and more wealthy. Yeah, they they weren't any wealthier, but but also they found themselves trapped in the alternative minimum tax. It may be that the most egregious example of this ever was you used to have to pay capital gains tax on sale of your home, Mm -hmm. on sale of a primary residence, and you know uh, historically housing has turned out to be a pretty good investment. Homes tend to appreciate over time. Uh, the historic rate of home appreciation is lower than the historic rate of return, like on the stock market, but it's somewhere around three or four percent per year. Uh, but if you have inflation of seven percent a year, your home value has not actually gone up. Mm-hmm. But yet, if you would back when we used to have to pay capital gains taxes on the sale of a home, you know, you would live in a house for fifteen years, and you would say, "Wow, my you know my house went up thirty five percent in value over that time." But it may be that your house didn't actually go up in value at all when you figure in inflation, but you still had to pay the capital gains tax on that inflated valuation of your home Hmm. because, again, the capital gains tax was not indexed to inflation. Now, fortunately, most people don't have to pay capital gains taxes anymore on sale of a primary residence. Mm -hmm. But if you have any investments at all, whether they're in mutual funds or retirement funds or IRAs or whatever – you have capital gains every year, and we still in this country do not index capital gains to inflation. And so what that means is if you if you just if you buy a stock and your stock goes up, let's just pull numbers out of the air. Let's say your stock goes up by ten percent and then you sell it, right? Well, you've got to pay a capital gains tax on that ten percent increase. But if inflation is seven percent, you didn't have a ten percent increase. You only had a three percent increase. Mm-hmm. But yet you're paying the capital gains tax on a 10% increase. And so that's why people who sell stocks, bonds, appreciated assets like that, they pay a false they pay a a, a tax on a false valuation. Mm. They're actually paying a tax on the inflated value of the asset, not the real value of the asset. And so that's another that's an example of why capital gains should be indexed to inflation and they're not. During the Trump administration, especially in the last two years of the Trump administration, there was a lot of discussion about indexing capital gains to inflation. Mm-hmm. And they knew they couldn't get Congress to do it because there just weren't big enough Republican majorities to do it. And so there were people who were arguing that the Treasury Department can just do it unilaterally, just through a rulemaking or something like that. I never bought those arguments. I, I, I think to change the statute, you do have to get legislation. Uh, so it it probably shouldn't be done through executive order or decree, but it should be done. It should be done through legislation because the government collects taxes from people on false valuations. And part of why we're talking about this today is we're, we're recording this episode in the year 2022 when inflation has come galloping back. Mm-hmm. And so there are lots of areas, not just the folks who live in those states that don't index 
their income tax brackets, but anybody who has shares in a mutual fund where they're where they are experiencing capital gains at the end of the year or retirement plans or just personal savings. Uh, when you have to pay tax on that interest, when you have to pay tax on those capital gains, a good bit of what you're paying tax on, you didn't really realize as an increase. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here's another example from the Tax Foundation. And just the here's the impact of inflation, right? So $5,000 in, in the year 2000 is equivalent to roughly $7,100 today mm. in the year 2022. So that's a, over four years. That's how much the value. That's how much inflation has affected essentially the value of the dollar. And so they give an example here of a capital gains tax that is indexed by inflation or not indexed for inflation. Okay, so if you have two different people, they each invested five thousand dollars in the year two thousand. Okay, and then they sell in two thousand eighteen. They sell eighteen years later for eight thousand dollars. Okay. So that's a $3,000 gain if you do not index for inflation, and that results in a capital gains tax of $450. But if you were to index that $3,000 gain for inflation, it's actually only a real gain of $900, Mm -hmm. and so the tax would only be $135. So these two taxpayers compared, if you don't index capital gains for inflation, you end up spending over $300 more in taxes. You pay over $300 more in taxes on the inflated gain of that stock. So it's not a small thing. I mean, the you're talking about here almost triple the taxes that you pay on that same transaction because the capital gains are not indexed for inflation. Mm. So anything that touches on the tax code ought to be indexed for inflation. Capital gains, uh, interest income, anything that affects sale of assets, and for these states that do not index their tax brackets for inflation, uh, some tax crusader in each of those states ought to pick this up as a cause, mm-hmm. right? And you just you have a very simple legislative campaign. Let's just at least index our tax brackets for inflation. Now, we should point out in conclusion, who doesn't want that to happen? And it's government that doesn't want that to happen because it would result in less revenue mm-hmm. to the government. If you are indexing capital gains for inflation, if you're indexing these tax brackets, what that means is that people would pay less tax, and so government would get less revenue. It would be a more accurate, more fair tax system, but it would result in less revenue for the government. And so that's why government is always going to push back on efforts to do things like this. Well, you can find a lot more about taxes, inflation, at economic growth at our website at ipi.org. If you've enjoyed this podcast, how about giving us a favorable review on iTunes or on your favorite podcast platform? You can also help to sponsor these podcasts by becoming a member of IPI's Giving Society. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you next time.